So Romans, the eighth chapter, we're going to read again, verses 12 through 14. I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Romans 8, 12 through 14. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, I pray that you would open our eyes to see, to see the truth that is found within. And Lord, we know that can only come as your Holy Spirit comes and moves and does a work that we cannot of ourselves. So Lord, pour out your Spirit upon us, draw us all close to you, let us all see you for who you are. Let us see the cross, let us see the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and let us see ourselves as who we truly are, standing before you. So help us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, for the past two Sundays, we've been focusing on the portion of Scripture in in verse 13 that says, by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body. Be putting to death the deeds of the body, or in other words, we've been putting it this way, John Piper puts it this way. Several people puts it this way. Be killing sin. Be putting it to death. Be killing sin, not solely of our own strength, by our own willpower, but how? By the Spirit. By the Spirit be doing these things. And we ask the question, and I'll ask it again, what is the weapon of the Spirit? The sword. And what is the sword of the Spirit? The Word of God. Uh, Ephesians 6, verse 17, we looked at this last Sunday. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, to kill sin in our lives, to fight the good fight of faith, we must be taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which is the Bible. Which is the Bible. So we are by the Spirit to be putting to death the deeds of the body, to be killing sin by the Spirit using the weapon of the Spirit, the Word of God. To fight the good fight of faith, we must fix our eyes upon His Word. We must be feeding on His Word. Amen? We must. We must. I I read a quote from uh, A.W. Tozer last week, and I found another that I want to share with you because we must be in the Word. And he says this. This was taken out of uh, his little book, God's Pursuit of Man. So, quote, The Spirit-filled walk demands that we live in the Word of God as a fish lives in the sea. By this, I do not mean that we study the Bible merely, nor that we take a course in Bible doctrine, I mean that we should meditate day and night. And, and let's put up uh, Psalms first chapter, uh, verse 2. That's where he gets this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Let me go back to the quote. I mean that we should meditate day and night in the sacred word, that we should love it and feast upon it, 
and digest it every hour of the day and night. When the business of life compels our attention, we may yet, with a blessed mental reflex, keep the word of truth ever before our minds. I don't know about you, I like that phrasing there, to have a blessed mental reflex. That when something comes up in our lives or some we're faced with some temptation, we automatically have a mental reflex that goes to the Word of God and combats whatever we may be facing with the Word of God, a blessed mental reflex. Now, I want us to go back, uh, put uh, Ephesians 6 verse 17 back up for just a moment and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, over the years, I've pointed this out, but I kind of went through my notes, and it's been a while since we've looked at this. I want to point this out once again, uh, that the word translated as word in Ephesians 6.17 there, often in Scripture, it's logos or logos is, is translated as word. In this case, it's rima, rima. And you'd say, well, what's, so what? Now, listen, everybody listen. Logos would be the entirety of the Word of God. Take it all. Take it all. But Rima means a particular word, a particular passage or individual words concerning a particular subject. So when you break this down, I believe what Paul is saying here in in this verse in Ephesians 6, 17, when the devil comes with a specific attack, upon you, our response should be with a particular word. Does that make sense? Are you understanding what I'm saying? And I'm going to give you a wonderful example of this, and we talked about it at the end of the, the, the message last Sunday. Jesus gives us the example, and that's where we're going to Matthew 4. So we're going to be talking about that today, because Jesus responds to the wilds, the schemes, the deception of the devil with a word from God, a particular word that meets the particular temptation that he's facing. And so I believe today what we're going to learn from from Jesus, and we're going to learn that we need to equip ourselves with a particular word. We talked about it last Sunday. Call it what you will. Some call it fighter verses, verses that, that you know. You know your weaknesses, don't you? I know mine. And so we need to have verses ready to go in our hip pocket, in our mind, that when that temptation tries to come at us once again, we have that mental reflex. See, that's why I love what Tozer said. We have that mental reflex to where we can take those verses and bring them to the forefront. So let's go into Matthew 4. We're going to read uh, verses 1 through 11. Let's begin uh, verse 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now I want to pause, just just in case you've never thought about it or considered it. This is a divine appointment. This is by divine decree that he goes up. It is, he is led by the Spirit to, to do this, to be tempted by the devil. Why? Why? I believe to be an example for us when we are tempted. I I believe that that's a part of it. 
to be an example for us so that we would know how to respond to the schemes, the deceptions, and the lies of Satan when they come to us. Now, verse 2, And when he, when Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry, the humanity of Christ. He was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, let me pause again. When did he come? At the end of the 40 days, Jesus is hungry. Isn't that kind of like when temptations kind of come at us? Perhaps when we're tired, perhaps when we're sick, perhaps when we're hungry, and these temptations will come, and in a moment of weakness, did you see that? And so I believe that's why he waits till the end of this when Jesus is hungry, and then he tempts him. And that same could happen with us in a time of weakness. And he said, the devil said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now let me pause again. Legitimate something to say, isn't it? I mean, really, when you really think about it, well, Jesus, you're hungry. If you who you say you are, well, turn these stones to bread and eat. Simple as that. And we know he could have done it because in just a few short months after this, he's going to be standing on the shores of Galilee and he's going to take five loaves and two fish and he's going to feed a multitude. So he could he could have turned the stones into bread, but it wasn't the time to do that. It wasn't the time to do that. It, it was time to use the word of God, a particular word, a rhema. And what does Jesus do? Verse 4 says, but he answered, but Jesus said, answered and said it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god it is written we need that we need to come back with these words but it is written uh, you know the Casting crowns, the voice of truth keeps popping in my mind. That that we would not listen to the lie, but listen to the voice of truth. Yeah, I know the temptation is here, but the voice of truth says this, it is written. And where was it written? Deuteronomy 8.3. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus responds with a particular word. Do you see that? I hope you see where I'm trying to get us to latch on to here. Now the next temptation, let's go back into Matthew 4. Let's read uh, verses 5 through 7. Then the devil took him, took Jesus, up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Did you notice what Satan did? He quoted scripture. Oh, the the devil knows scripture? Yeah, he does. Does he believe it? Nah. He he believes it to the point that even the the demons tremble because they, they know 
they they know the truth of where their their uh, end will come and where it will be. And so here it's Jesus saying, "Okay, if you won't turn the bread into stones, then if you won't do that for yourself, then then look to God and and let God act on your behalf to save you from harm. Demonstrate to the world, Jesus." That you are his son by allowing God to display his miraculous power to prove that you are indeed the Messiah. Jump off. So he quotes scripture. It was Psalms. uh, He he quoted Psalms 91 verses 11 and 12. If you want to look at it. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the a stone. Satan knew this. And Jesus responds with a particular word. It is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Deuteronomy six sixteen. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. Don't tempt the Lord your God. Again, a particular word, a rima that addressed that particular temptation. Satan's not done. Let's go to verses 8 through 11. Matthew 4, 8 through 11. Again, the devil took him, took Jesus up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. What what a foolish statement, isn't it? The one who created everything. He's asking, I'll give you all this. First, it wasn't his to give. It was already Christ's. All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. Don't be afraid to say that. When temptation comes, don't be afraid to put your foot down and say, away with you, temptation. Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. I think perhaps another way to look at what Satan was offering, Jesus knew why he came, didn't he? He knew where, from that that very moment, where this was going to end at the cross. And so it, it almost seems to me like Satan saying, look, look, you don't have to do that. You don't have to go to the cross. I could, I could give this all to you right now. You can bypass the cross and all this will be yours. And again, the foolishness of offering to Jesus what he already owns. Or perhaps that's the angle that he was going at. Bypass the cross. You don't have to do that. You can have all of this if you would but fall down and worship me. And again, Jesus responded to that temptation with the word of God. Deuteronomy 6, verse 13. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. In Deuteronomy 10, verse 20, you shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him. And to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name to serve no other God but the one true God. 
So Christ is our example of how to fend off the attacks of Satan. And I believe that we should always remember and that we should our, should equip ourselves with a particular word to meet a particular temptation that perhaps we are prone to, to build an arsenal, so to speak, so that we might, as Tozer said, have a blessed mental reflex that would kick in even at that moment of the temptation. We must know Scripture, and we must be diligent to know it because it will not just happen. Now you can come Sunday morning. You can hear a few verses every Sunday morning. Is that going to sustain you for a whole week to next Sunday? If that's all the food from the Word of God you get is right here on Sunday morning reading it off of the screen. Is that all you need? Would you think about fasting for a whole week from food that that you had breakfast this morning and you're not going to eat again until next Sunday morning? Is I know people can do that, but that's normally not how we operate. We need the Word of God. And to be diligent, I said to be diligent, Second uh, Timothy 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, NESB says, accurately handling the word of truth, to rightly handle the word of truth. Why is it important that that we appeal to the word of God in, in times of temptation, in times of weakness? Psalms 119 verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. That I might not succumb to the temptation. That I might have a ready arsenal of scripture to fight these particular temptations that I face. I hide those words in my heart. That they would be ready. A mental reflex. That they would be ready. That I might not sin that I might not fall and succumb to the temptation. Do we see that? I hope we do. So that when the fiery dart comes, are they coming? Yes, they are. And, and, and I don't tell you things like that to, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. It's the truth from God's Word. We're going to face fiery darts. From the book of James that we're going through on Wednesday night. These trials come for a purpose that we might know where our strength comes from. Not of ourselves, but of Him. That we might know that our our faith is, is genuine. That we, we might be strengthened of faith. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Not of our own strength, but by the Spirit, be putting to death, be killing sin in our lives. I said last week we were going to talk about some particulars, and so that's what I want to do today to perhaps help you build your arsenal of scriptures that, that might be personal for you. And so we're going to go through several things today, and we're going to 
we're not going to do it all today. Um, uh, I'll let you know what we're saving for later because it's it's a big one. But what about this? What about when you're tempted to anger? Ever been tempted to anger? Well, they just make me so mad. Ever been there? I would venture to say all of us have. You got a lot of brothers and sisters. Probably you've said that about one of your siblings at some point or another. It just makes me so mad. What do we do when we're tempted to anger? Well, how about James 1, verses 19 and 20? We're going to be coming to this before too long in our Wednesday night. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So we must learn. I'm still learning. We must continue to learn, swift to hear, Take a moment, slow to respond. That's a good word, isn't it? Slow to respond. Take a moment to gather yourself. Okay, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, but nor give place to the devil. Don't sin. Don't sin. Tempted to anger? Okay. Take a breath and respond as a child of God should. Because along with anger, side by side with anger, comes bitterness and unforgiveness. Wouldn't you say so? Okay, you get you to get angry at somebody, and if you don't take care of that, if you don't get rid of that thought, that can turn into lingering anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. So what do we do with the temptation of bitterness and unforgiveness and anger and vengeance? Perhaps there's some abuse in your life. In your background. I've talked to some people that can't let it go. And perhaps it was a horrible betrayal of some something in your life. Somebody that, that you trusted and they betrayed you terribly. And these thoughts of bitterness and un- unforgiveness are always there. You, you get up thinking about it. All through the day you're thinking about it. You go to bed thinking about it and it's eating you up. Bitterness, a root of bitterness, will destroy you. So what do you do? Take the sword. Take a particular word from God. How about Ephesians 4, verses 31 and 32? Okay, all right. As a child of God, I'm I'm supposed to do this. Paul's telling me what to do here. Let all bitterness, wrath, Anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, 
tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You see, there's the biggie. There's the biggie, isn't it? In light of the massive amount of forgiveness that every child of God has received, how can we withhold forgiveness from anyone? We must forgive one another. And I've counseled people through the years, and they stand firm in their bitterness. Like it's their right, and I'm not going to let this go. I could never forgive them for what they did to me. Maybe that's, maybe that's somebody in here even. Let me tell you, as a child of God, you have to forgive them. You must forgive them. It's not an option. If you're hanging on to bitterness with that fervency, you need to repent. Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13 if you're, if you're truly a born-again child of God, it's here, here he says, Paul has given us this. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also, what's the word, must do. Do we believe the Word of God? Yeah. And what's it say? You must forgive. You must forgive. But preacher, you don't understand. <laughs> I've heard that. You don't understand. They keep doing this same thing over and over and over again. And I forgive them and I forgive them. I'm getting tired of forgiving them. How many times do I have to keep forgiving him? <laughs> you know where we're going, don't you? What did Jesus say? Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22. Then Jesus came to him, came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? <laughs> but but they, they keep doing the same thing over and over, Jesus. I'm getting a little tired of it. <laughs> Peter says, up to seven times? See, that was, so apparently Peter's limit was seven. You know, once you get to seven, then Peter's head, top of his head blows off or something. And, and perhaps that's some of you. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And finally you've just, you know, mommy says, I'm fed up. Up to here. <laughs> up to seven times, and Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times 70, which really, what's he saying? You've got to keep forgiving. There is no limit. There is no limit. Is, is there a limit to, to the forgiveness of God? No. No. And so for us, as children of God, let there be no limit to our forgiveness to others. And in bitterness... <clears throat> Here's the other thing that can happen in bitterness. You get thoughts of vengeance. That, 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 there's the progression. 
going to go from anger to bitterness, unforgiveness, vengeance. Vengeance. No. No, I'll get even with them. I've heard that. I've thought that. I can't remember the last time I did. Hopefully it's been many, many, many years ago. <laughs> but, I, but I've been there. Well, I'll show them. I'll let, the, I'll let them know how it feels. Perhaps you thought the th- same thing, and I would venture to say you had. I'll just, we'll just flip this around. Let them see how this looks. Romans 12, verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You see, we must give it over to the Lord. Amen? We must give it over. Don't let a root of bitterness stay there. Kill it. Kill that sin. Do you see what it... Be killing sin. Do you understand? Perhaps maybe there's a good example right there. Just a root of bitterness. Kill that root with the Word of God. Give it over to the Lord. He will administer righteous judgment upon them. Amen. He will. He will. And here's the two possibilities. Here's the two possibilities that the Lord is going to take care of this. One is that sin committed against you is either going to be dealt with at the cross when that person repents, there's the first way, or in hell when they don't. You get the gravity of that. It's going to be taken care of, and it will either be taken taken care of on this side of glory as that person, by the grace of God, might come to know Christ and be forgiven All sins forgiven. Even that thing they did to you, forgiven. Or, it'll be taken care of in judgment when God sends them to hell. Is that that enough vengeance for you that that person may go to hell? Think about that. Perhaps have compassion on them. Perhaps try to open dialogue to talk to them. Tell them about the Lord. Tell them about the love of Christ. Tell them about true forgiveness. May we be able to keep those thoughts in mind when we have those temptations to anger, to bitterness, to unforgiveness, to vengeance. Leave it with God. Don't carry that burden with you. Leave it with the Lord. So what should we do? Romans 12, verses 20 and 21. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, so there, there's kind of a, a, a summary of some things 
with anger, with bitterness, with unforgiveness, with thoughts of vengeance. Let's deal with one more. How do we fight the good fight of faith when we're dealing with lust? And, and lust can, can come in many, many, many forms. And it comes to all people in some form or fashion. The, the, the scriptures talk in particular about uh, sexual immorality and, and the lust of the flesh. And so if we're confronted with a temptation to, and, and I don't know how it is, is for women, I know for men in particular, just, just lust, thoughts of what we see and where those thoughts may go. And you guys know what I'm talking about. I don't know quite how it is with women. Perhaps it's kind of the same, but I can speak in regard for men. And especially in this day and age, and, and sometimes I, I hate to even bring things up because we, as we looked at Romans, when we talk about some things, it will arouse curiosity to, you remember those scriptures that we talked about? Well, I, I wouldn't have even known about covetousness unless, unless the word wasn't spoken to me and now I know and so now I'm, that's what I think about. But with this day and age, with with the internet the way it is and and it's, it's high speed, it's it's quick, it's instantaneous, and, and the stuff, and you get on know, all the different social media things and all this, uh, I don't have TikTok, I don't look at TikTok, I don't do anything, but I, I understand it to be little short blips of things. Be careful. That's all I'm, that's what I'm saying. Be careful. Even, the, even if YouTube, I do watch some things on YouTube. There's a lot of good stuff on YouTube. Uh, you know, we, we talked about that, and uh, Justin Peters and and some of these people, I, I like watching some of their stuff. It's on YouTube, but on, on YouTube there's a lot of garbage. And and you're on there, and then and here's these little reels, these little short things. Well, what what in the world is that? Boom, and you click on that, and then thirty minutes later you're still there, clicking, 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 and 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 then some of the stuff's not good. So may we guard our hearts and our mind against some of these things and don't get so enthralled and caught up with them. That's what I'm saying. Because porn on the Internet is rampant in many different forms. So guard your hearts and minds. Men, women, boys, girls, guard your hearts and minds. You parents with kids, do what you can. I don't know, is it even possible to lock everything out? I don't even know if it's possible. But do what you can to guard the hearts and minds of your children. So how do we fight the good fight of faith when dealing with lust and and whatever forms it may come to us? Use a particular word, a rhema. That's what we've been talking about today. Romans Romans 13, I'm sorry. Romans 13, verse 13 and 14. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Take the temptation. We've been reading that passage so much. Take those thoughts captive 
place them under the captivity of the Word of God. Okay, temptation, whatever it is, it is written. And you place it under the obedience of the Word of God. That, that, that's, what, that's what this is talking about. To have that particular Word, the Word of truth, as you're presented with this lie to try to draw you away. How about 1 Corinthians 6, verses 18 through 20? Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. The deeds of the flesh, you see. Put to death, be killing the sin, the deeds of the flesh. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know, okay, child of God, here you go. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When temptation comes, we must be quick to respond to replace those thoughts, it's a battle for the mind, is it not? We must be quick to replace those thoughts with Scripture. Take it captive, place it under the obedience of the Word of God. Have a particular word. First Thessalonians 4, verses 3 through 5. For this is the will of God. I'm going to pause there for just a second. I just, I just don't know what the will of God is. <laughs> There's so much that's in the Word of God that tells you in particular. And, and I know what people ask when they come to me. I just don't know what God's will is for, say, a job or, or for a spouse. Or I don't know, I don't know. Well, those things are yet perhaps in the future. Do what you can at that moment. Keep trusting the Lord. Keep doing all you can on your part and wait on the Lord. But here we have... The, uh, Something that's the will of God for all of us. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. You're coming to maturity in your faith. You, you're being made more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ, our sanctification. That you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. May we not act and respond as someone who doesn't even know God. And do we ever do that? Do you ever do that? I've done that. We'll leave, we'll leave it with, with thoughts of this. Always remember that this is a battle for your mind, for your thinking. This all comes in a, a thinking process, does it not? We see something, or we hear something, it, it, it comes into our brain. What are we going to do with it? If it's something that, that is not good, place it under the captivity of the truth of God's Word. Replace it with something else. Remove yourself from, if you can, from that temptation. Flee that temptation. So here today, we've looked at lust, we've looked at anger, we've looked at bitterness and unforgiveness, and have given just a few things. 
take the Word of God and build more. Build more for yourself. Have, have something in your Bible. Or, well, I've, I've got a, my Bible's on my, um, my phone. Well, here, here's what I do. Here's what I do. And, and so I, I, I'll not be upset at you if I look back and I see you with your phone and I see you doing something because I am trusting that what you're doing is taking notes on the sermon when, if I see you doing that. That you're not there texting somebody about what you're going to do. I wish he'd shut up and so we can go and I want to get out of here. And if that's the case, I'm going to come back here and take that phone away from you. No, I wouldn't do that. But because what, you know, I got an app on here that's that's got Word on it. And so we go to these little conferences and stuff. I used to try to take a piece of paper and maybe grab a little scrap of paper and I'd, I'd hear a sermon. I'd be trying to scratch stuff down. Well, now I take my phone, I open up a Word document, and I take my notes. I, I got notes from the last conference we went to on two different sermons we heard right here. And I can take them, I can listen to them, or listen to them, I can read them. And in my mind, I'm hearing them as they presented that particular thing. Do what you must. If you need to make notes here, and you can open it up while you're out. Okay, here's, here's my verses. Here's my list of verses. Boom, I'm going to hit it. There's my particular list that I can go to. These are the verses that helps me. Or if you got it written down like Barb does every Sunday, she's got a notebook, a little spiral thing, and she can take that thing out and, and she'll show it to me from time to time. Well, well here's what I t- wrote down that you talked about today. And then I'm going, well, wait a minute, why didn't you write down? <laughs> I thought this other thing was pretty good and you didn't even write that down. No. You know what I'm saying? If you got everything on here, then use it. Use it for the glory of God. Use it for the glory of God. Take notes. Have things. Have things written down. Fight the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6, 12. We'll leave with this. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. It takes diligence to do this. Now, now, what we didn't get to do today, and I didn't want to get into it because it would make this sermon twice as long, we're going to talk about anxiety. We're going to talk about fear. We're going to talk about those things. And perhaps it'll be next Sunday. I know next Sunday's communion Sunday. Perhaps it'll be the Sunday after that. But we're going to take a whole sermon, and we're going to look at how to fight against the temptation to worry, to fear, to anxiety. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word. And and I pray that we can hide it in our hearts. Help me, Lord. Help us all to be diligent, to as best we can, to try to memorize Scripture. And if we have trouble with that, I know as I'm getting older, that's a little harder for me, Lord. but, But I can sure write it down. I can sure have it on my phone or on my computer. I can print it out even. I can put it in a notebook that I could pull out and read it. So, Lord, help us to do whatever we can to help ourselves in the midst of that. Help us to hide your word in our heart that we would not sin against you, that we would not succumb to these temptations, these besetting sins 
that so easily ensnare us. Help us to realize that if we're a child of God, we're a soldier. We're to put on the armor and we're to stand. Take the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. Lord, help us that we might learn, according to your word, how to be killing sin in our lives. So, Father, be with us as we leave this place. Help us, Father, that we might walk as we should, that everything that we would say and do might be to your honor and glory. And, Lord, when temptation comes, help us to have a ready response. And, Lord, we'll give you all the glory, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.